right? Now this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. So uh, you have to make a choice, right? We, we are in a place that you got to make a choice. Now, uh, I believe this, that because you're here, because you're part of the church, you've already made that choice, that you are here because you're serving God. Will that be right? So if you serve God, that means that God is your master, but it would also mean this, that now money becomes your servant. If God is your master, that would mean that money is your servant and you are its master. Would you agree with, with that? You're, you're its master. So that means this, that you would have to act like the, like the Roman centurion said. He talked about his servants. He said, go, and he goes, come, and he comes, do this, do this and, he, and, he, and he does it. So we ought to be able to talk to our money. How many of you know you got to talk to your money? Right? It's talking to you. So you may as well talk back to it. Right? And you tell it where to go. In Jesus' name. You tell it when to come in Jesus' name. You tell it what to do. That's what it means to be the master of your money. Is, isn't that right? So don't even talk about managing your money unless you are able and willing to be talking about mastering your money. So the only way you can actually master it is when you have placed yourself under the Lordship of Jesus the Christ. Right? He is your Lord. So if he's your Lord, then he will have, then he will want to say something in every aspect of your lives, including money, right? He wants to tell you what to do with your money. And because you're his servant and because you're the master of money now, that means you got to talk to your money and say, well, the Lord said, you're going to go there, right? And it will obey you. I mean, you can talk to mountains, it will obey you. You can talk to money, it will obey you. Is that right? All right, so having said that, then before we can even get further into this, let's lay down a foundation of where it all begins. And it begins with this, with this statement that God wants you rich. Isn't that right? God wants you rich. And that's based on 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Now, I'm just going to quote it to you, but you may want to check up on me. Right? That's what the Bible says. You know, don't just take anything I say for granted. Make sure you check up in your Bible to make sure that I'm telling you the truth. Because I'm, I'm a human being. I could, I could miss it. But if I'm telling you what the Bible says and you check it for yourself and it's there, then it's now between God and you. Amen. Second Corinthians 8 and verse 9 is really the foundation that the Bible tells us why you can expect to be rich. This is what it says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, he became poor that you through his poverty might be made. What's the next word? Oh, that's really pathetic. Not prophetic, pathetic. <laughs> that you through his poverty might be made? 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 
Okay, that's some of you. Most of you don't even dare to say it, right? Most Christians don't dare to say this because they don't think it's humble. But it's in the Bible. Right, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Now, this is not a Christmas scripture. I used to think it's a Christmas scripture. I used to think, well, Jesus became poor when he became part of the human race. Right, I mean, you know, I mean, he saw us in our lowest state. And in order to save us, he needed to become part of the human race. And by doing so, he took a step down from who he used to be and where he used to be. And now he became poor. But how many of you know that's not true? Right? How many of you know he was not poor? And he was not born in the stable because he was poor. He was born in the stable because there was not enough room in the end. They had the money. They just didn't have enough room. How many of you know that Jesus was not poor in his life and in his, in, in his ministry? He had a treasure. Amen. If you... Have, uh, if you are in need of a treasure, you're not poor. you got to have some money. Not only did he have a treasure, he was also, the same guy was also a thief. Isn't that right? So you can't be poor and have a treasure who's stealing from out of the, out of the kitty. <laughs> right? Because you would notice it. Right? Jesus himself never identified himself with the poor. He said this, you will, the poor you will always have with you, but me you will not always have with you. Right? How many of you know the gospel is preached to the, the poor? The first identifiable group that Jesus preached to was the poor. Amen. So God does not want you poor. There's nothing humble about it. Right? There's, there's nothing good about it. God wants you rich. So this is not a Christmas scripture. It is a... Or it is a crucifixion scripture. It's on the cross that Jesus became like who we used to be. That we on the other side of the cross might be made exactly like who he is. Can you say amen? It's on the cross. You could say it this way. The cross is a great exchange program. It's on the cross that Jesus became sin. So that after the cross, now that we live in the resurrection, we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. We're no longer sinners. Did you know that? We were sinners, but the grace of God saved us and changed us into the righteousness of God. Now we not only are made right before God, but we have a right standing, a right place before God the Father. All, all of the kingdom, everything that's part of the kingdom of God, you have no access to because you have a right to it. A lot of people like to talk about their human rights, but I tell you what, they're just so low. And they're all based on being the victim. If enough people can offend you and you have become the victim, now you've got some rights. Those are called human rights. Forget about human rights. You want to pick up on your God-given kingdom rights. Are you out there? Amen. On the cross, Jesus became sin for us so that we might be made right. It's on the cross that Jesus became sick with our sicknesses so that now that we are in the resurrection 
We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. It's not a fringe benefit. It's part and parcel of the exchange program. It's on the cross that Jesus became a curse for us. So that now that we are in the resurrection, we might be what? The blessed. Are you out there? It's on the cross that Jesus became poor with our poverty so that after the cross in the resurrection where we are now you might be made rich so you're what you need to be saying about yourself is I am rich in Christ in the same way that you are to say I am right with God I am healed by the stripes of Jesus I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places I am blessed with all of Abraham's blessings hallelujah not only that but I am rich in Christ Jesus that's where it all begins right God wants you rich that's the this is the foundational scripture for it but there's also a reason why you are to be rich and that has to do with defining what rich means rich does not just mean that you are able to hoard it isn't that right see lot this where that's where the problem begins because God does not mind you having money did you know that God does not mind you being rich but what he has a hard time with is if you begin to hoard it. If you begin to, you know, collect the, the money and you don't give it away. But so is it possible, let me ask you this question. Is it possible for you and I to be rich for all the right reasons? Isn't that right? You can be rich for all the right reasons. The right reasons would be the foundation that we just read but it would also include why are you supposed to be rich well second corinthians 9 verse 8 second corinthians 8 verse 9 is the foundation second corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 is the reason and god is able to make what all grace see if you're still talking about grace how many of you know when you're talking about grace you're literally talking about all the things that have come to you and I as a result of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's the grace of God. And how many of you know it's vast like an ocean? Right? We have not even tapped into all of it. We just are just kind of skimming at the surface with what we're talking about. But it's all included in grace. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. So, um, so everything that, you know, all God is able to make what? All grace abound unto you so that you having all sufficiency in all things may be able to give into every good work. That's, that's the reason, right? So that you have all sufficiency in all things may be able to give into every good work. How many of you know that that could be a great, a very good goal for you to have? I want to be able to give into every good work. That's our goal. We want to be able to give into every good work. We have not reached it yet, but we're well on our way. Amen. And we don't just want to give, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. We want to be distribution centers. Right? That's for us, for the church. We want to be a distribution center so we can give into every good work. 
Amen. So the foundation is, is, has to do with the cross of, of Calvary. That means it's not a fringe benefit. I used to, I remember, I used to read things, you know, on money and prosperity. But I, you know, even in, in Christian things, and I used to think, well, that's nice. You know, it's great. You know, if it happens, great. But if it doesn't happen, it's fine too. You know, I'm not really bothered by it. As a matter of fact, you know, we were talking about finances. As one time there was a gentleman who came to the church and uh, Pastor Joel asked him, well, what did you think? I said, well, I don't see the need for prosperity. Now, that sounds humble, but you know what? It's very selfish. Right? A lot of people don't see the need for prosperity. All they want is for their needs to be met. As long as I got a roof over my head, as long as I got a car that goes from A to B and on weekends to C, <laughs> right, then I'm okay. Well, who's, who, what have you got on your mind? Just you. Right? Why don't you think a little bit bigger? Not only are your needs met, but people that are in your area, people that live in your neighborhood, people that you are in contact with, they need to be blessed. They can be blessed because of you. Ministries can be blessed because of you. That's the reason. So we're not talking about riches so you can't just hoard it and become more comfortable. We're talking about you having, and this is the biblical definition of riches, you can have an abundant supply. When you need $5, it's there. When you need $25, it's there. When you need $100, it's there. When you need $1,000, it's there. When you need a million dollars, it's there. When you need $5 million, it's there. When you need $100 million, it's there. See, a lot of people wish they would have $100 million. But that's not how the system works. When you need it. When you need it. If you have a $100 thought... Or a hundred million dollar thought. See, a lot of people will never get a hundred million dollars because their their thinking is not there. So why would God give you a hundred million dollars if you're not thinking in terms of, well, that's what I need. Everybody wishes they had more, but that's not where it is. You gotta have need of it. Then it will be supplied for you. You remember Jesus needed a donkey. Jesus needed a donkey to fulfill prophecy. So he told two of his disciples, you go there and you get that donkey. And when they ask you, you know, what are you going to do? What are you planning on doing with that donkey? That's my donkey. <laughs> what are you planning on doing with it? Just tell them the master needs it. So that's what they did. They, asked, they, they took the donkey and they said, hey, what are you doing with my donkey? Well, the master needs it. Oh, okay. So the donkey came to Jesus in order to fulfill prophecy. Amen. I remember reading that when we first started the church. We were still meeting at the Church of God on the Michener Hill. Right? And we didn't have anything. Right? And we didn't have a thing. Really, I, just, I was just glad to have an office space. Praise the Lord. And so I, rem I, re I remember reading that scripture. And after reading that scripture, something came over me. The Holy Ghost. Right? And I was inspired. I just started blurting it out. In Jesus' name, I have a fax machine. I have a phone. Back then we had a fax machine. We have a phone system. We have a copier. I said this on a Saturday af afternoon. On Monday afternoon. Monday morning, actually. You know, some company, Suncor Corporation, called me on the phone, said, do you need a copier? I said, yes, we do. And they said, well, we have one for you. I'm thinking, how do you know that? I don't know. So they had one for us. 
So it was really nice. I had to take a part, of, you know, a part of the copy off because it didn't fit in the office. You know, and it came with a 10,000 block. They told me it's a 10,000 block. I didn't even know what a block was. So it came with, the, with all the bells and whistles. Everything else followed suit. Amen. So whatever you need, it will be provided for you. Isn't that right? Praise the Lord. All right. So um, I think I read this already. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. Amen. All right. So next, let's talk about the characteristics of, of money. Would that be all right with you? The characteristics of money. Okay, now I'm figuring out how my new screen works. Okay, that's very nice. Because I'm thinking, man, I'm every time I'm one step ahead of myself. But that's because the screen gives you one slide ahead of what you're going to be. Thank you. <laughs> So <laughs> now I know what I'm doing, praise the Lord. So <laughs> money does not, have, does not have a nature on its own, neither does it have value on its own. Can I prove that to you? In my hands, I, I hold 100 burr, that's Ethiopian currency. So if I would give this to someone who likes to go into business, Mar Marcel, would you be happy with that? Let me ask you this question. Would you be happy with that if I give you 100 burr? Well, why? Like, why, why would you not be happy with it? It's money. It's money, right? Why would you not be happy with that? It's not our currency. It doesn't have any value here. But yet, if I would go to Ethiopia with this, this would buy lunch for about 10 pastors. So it's pretty good, isn't it? So what would be your, your next question? How much would it be worth in, in Canadian funds, right? So money by itself does not have any value. It doesn't have a nature on its own either. Did you know that? It doesn't have a nature on its own. It doesn't have value on its own. So really and truly, all that money is, it's just a tool, right? It's our attitude towards money that either puts us over, that either makes you financially free so that you can give or it makes you part of the rat race isn't that right it's it's what you your attitude towards it now that's what paul said he said this for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows so it's your attitude towards money that can give you financial freedom or it can make you a part of the rat race. It's your choice. Right? It's, it's, it's what you do with it. The Bible did not say that money is the root of all evil. It says this, it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. I guess I still got to go forward. I still have to move myself forward. Now you can see it. Right? Money does not have a nature nor value on its own. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, it didn't say that money is the root of all evil. Money is nothing. It's just a tool. Right? It's just a piece of paper. It's got no value attached to it. Isn't that right? Right? I mean, this piece of paper is really worthless here in Canada. But somewhere else it has worth to it because they've added that value to it. So here, if you have a dollar, you know, if, you bring, if I bring a Canadian dollar somewhere else, it has no value there. They say, oh, that's kind of cute. Who's that lady on the, t on the front? Well, that's the queen. <laughs> so you'd be able to tell them a few things about how, how our money and our currency works, but by itself it has no value 
to it. Now, having said that, how many of you know it's very important that you may want to think about investing it because by itself it has no worth, it has no value. Now, did you know that when you invested in the right things, you know, you're looking f for your future, how many of you know you can invest it in things that will actually add value to your eternal life? Did you know that? Right? The way that you spend your money, your attitude towards money, and that's really my next, is really my next point, is, is, is just simply this. You can do things with your money that will actually add eternal value to you. Amen. How many of you know that's important? Right? Because have you ever thought about it? If you, would, if you live your whole life, if, if I would be able to display your life in eternity, it would be just a little small dot on a long line. Now let's say that we would be able to go in eternity. You know, we think linear usually, so let's go from point A, a to point B. And let's say that's eternity. I mean, you know, it's a long time. Right? And on that line, your life would be represented by a small dot. Did you know that that small dot actually has a lot to do with the rest of your eternity? What you do in that little piece, in that little piece of time, has everything to do with your eternity. Right? I mean, you got to make some choices. You got to make Jesus Lord in your life. But even after that, you can make some choices that will affect your eternity. With what I'm saying with that is simply this, that you can add value to your eternity. Did you know that? The Bible actually tells us that even, even opposition can work for you. Right? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And when you do that, when you keep looking at the things which are not seen, the Bible tells us that you add to yourself a weight of glory. So we are, we believers are really in a weight gaining program. <laughs> Amen. We're in a weight gaining program. That every time when you pass a test, you add glory to yourself. That will work for you that will add value to you for eternity. Did you know the Bible tells us even this in James chapter 1 and verse 13 that when you pass a test you will receive the crown of life. So that's not even a crown that you get after you go to heaven. That is a, that's a crown that you get while you're living on this earth. You get a crown of glory after you pass the test. Now, you don't see that crown of glory necessarily on people, right? But you'll be able to, you will notice it though, right? Um, like one way for me to explain it would be like, like this. I used to wonder, how come that if I listened to brother so-and-so and brother Hagen, they could be talking about the same thing. They could be using the same scripture. They could be using the same stories almost. They could almost be talking about the same thing. How come that when I listen to, to Brother Hagen, I'm more attracted to what he says? I, and I used to think, well, that's because I know him. I used to be with him. You know, we used to go to his school. We did all those kind of things. So, you know, of course, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit biased that way. That's why I just like it better. But after I thought, I thought about it, said that's not really the truth. The truth is, you know, there are people 
on earth, well back then he was on earth, he's moved to heaven in the meantime, but there's people on earth who have not only heard the word and spoke the word, but they've experienced it. Amen. And when somebody experiences it for themselves, now you have a greater weight of glory. With other words, there's greater weight to what you say. And I believe it's very noticeable. Amen. So you can do things even with, with your money that will add eternal value to you that can begin right now and sticks with you for eternity. Amen. It'll show up in your resurrected, glorified body. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So um, this, these are some of the characteristics about money. So num the next thing that I want to say is you will actually never own money. Did you know that? Technically speaking, you will never own money. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can't carry anything out. You didn't come into this world, and you, you, know, you gave the doctor a tip, you gave him a hundred bucks, said, you did a great job. Thank you for delivering me the way that you did. That was pretty awesome. And when you leave this earth, you don't just you know, leave some, or, or you don't take it with you. You can't. You cannot take it with you. So in that sense, you never own money in the same way that you own, never will own time. What does that mean? You can only manage it. So you're the manager, or the Bible would call it a steward of those things. Right? If you are a steward of time, if you are a steward of money, then you are the manager of that. Right? And Jesus made this statement. He said this, if you manage it well, right? if you manage money well, then you will be trusted with eternal things. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be trusted with eternal things. Isn't that right? I want to be trusted with what God puts high value on. You know what he puts high value on? He puts high value on people. The souls of men. If you handle money well, you can be trusted with the souls of men. Amen. Something else that is of eternal value would be the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Right? You can buy inf information. Isn't that right? You can, you can go on the web and you can buy somebody's database. You could. You can buy information all, all over the world. Some people pay big, big money for in information because it's valuable. But how many of you know you can never buy revel revelation from heaven? But you can do something with your money if you invest it in the right places. It will bring the revelation of the Holy Spirit to you. You can put it, for instance, Malachi chapter 3, getting a little bit ahead of myself, and verse 10 tells us this, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. How many of you know the church, the local church is a storehouse, right? That's where your tithe belongs. The tithe does, should not go, your tithe should not go to Kenneth Copeland Ministries, should not go to Impact Nations Ministries. The tithe should go to the local church. That's your storehouse. That's where the meat needs to be. Right now, meat, you know, of course, in the Old Testament, meat was so that the priest could eat the meat. 
right? And live off, live off that. But that's still the truth. That's still true up to a certain point. But even so, that meat, how many of you know, don't want to just get milk, the milk of the word, but the meat of the word. It's connected to your tithes and to your offerings. Isn't that right? Now you can't buy it. In the same way, you can't buy a soul. I can't go out in the parking lot. I cannot go in the parking lot, you know, of, of uh, Walmart or someplace like that and hand somebody a $100 bill. You know what? If you take this $100 bill, I can guarantee you a spot in the kingdom. Would you come? No. But I can do this. I can give it like to a place like Impact Live Church and get people to come. Right? If they come and they, they hear the word, they can be born again. Does that make sense? I have proof of that. I have proof of that. My, my daughter-in-law, Megan, stand up, Megan, is sitting right there. <laughs> and uh, we actually purchased her in some way. Because back then, back, way back when, when we had the, we had the youth group, you know, we had this little contest going, you know, if whoever brings the most youth will get at the end of the month or at the end of the year. How much did you get? Did you get an Xbox or did you trade it in for $400? I think it was $400. We offered an Xbox. Erin uh, is the one who won that contest. She brought in Megan, right? <laughs> She brought in Megan, so she, Megan did not know that. Had she known that, she might have said, no, I'm not coming. I don't want to be associated with an Xbox. You know, I'm worth more than an Xbox. But it was a means of getting her to come, and during the time she got born, born again. So really, I was investing in my future. She married Javen, and she's become my daughter-in-law. Praise the Lord. I mean, that's very good. <laughs> Amen. That's what money does. That's what money does. Now, some people say, well, that's kind of gimmicky. I don't care what you think she's in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you will never, never really, you will never own money, but you get to manage it. So let's, let's listen to what Jesus said about what happens when you manage money, and when you manage it well. I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, Luke chapter 16, you may want to turn with me here. Um, hmm. okay, how, does, how, does, how do I do that from here? I want to go to the first verse. Maybe somebody can help me with that. Maybe it is there. Yeah, it is there, not on mine. Hmm. And he, he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, a manager, right? And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you may no longer be steward. Then the steward, the manager, said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord takes away from me the stewardship. I can't dig. I can't work. To beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much do you owe unto my Lord? 
And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take your bill, and write fourscore. That's eighty. And the Lord, now this is not Jesus, but his boss, and the Lord commended, he praised the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. So what did happen here? So here's a manager. He's part of a business, right? He has a boss over him. The boss is, finds out that he's not really uh, up, to, up to par. He's not really, you know, worth the money. So he wants to fire him. The guy heard, hears about it and he thinks, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to take care of my future. So what does he do? He uses his boss's money to take care of his future. So whether you think it's right or wrong, Jesus didn't say it's right, it's, it's right or wrong. He just mentioned that, that this is what the guy did with his money. What this guy did is he took care of his future by investing in people that could help him with his future. Now let me ask you this question. Are there people in your life that will help you with your future. Absolutely. You will have people in your life that will help you with your future. Parents, there are people in your life, there are kids in your life that will help you with your future. They decide where you're going to live when you're 80. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are, all I'm saying with this, there are people in your life that will help you with your future. Your pastors are helping you with your future. Great place to invest. Amen. And I'm saying that because you know what? God has ordained. God has ordained from the very beginning that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That's an, he, he ordained that. It's something you can't argue with. All the preacher wants is my money. No, God does it, wants it that way. You know, people have used to ask me that all the time. You know, does God really want me to tithe? And so finally after studying the word, I, my answer has been, the answer is no. God not, does not necessarily want you to tithe, but Abraham does. Abraham is the one that started it. God did not. But God liked it so well, He put it in the covenant because Abraham started it. Yeah. That's how, you know, you don't ever find the word tithing until Abraham did it for the first time. He had to make a choice between Mel Melchizedek, the, the, the king of Salem, or the king of Sodom. Now, naturally speaking, you know, if he was just a natural man, he should have paid the tithe because it was a normal thing to do back in those days. After you have won the battle and you came out, you know, with some loot, then you would pay the tithe to someone who could help you with your future. So the king of Sodom would be the ideal guy to pay you to. But Abraham chose not to. He said, I'm going to give it to the king of Salem. But what was he saying? I recognize God. I'm going to honor him because he will, he is able to take better care of my future than this king of Sodom. And you know what? 
If you keep reading, this is Genesis 14, you keep reading to Genesis 15, or maybe Genesis 13 and then Genesis 14, but the next verse begins that God came to Abraham, and he said to Abraham, Abraham, he said, I will be your shield and your exceeding great reward. And the Bible says that God made Abraham very rich. I didn't, I'm just quoting the Bible. So if you get, if you want to throw rocks, don't throw them at me. I'm just a messenger. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. <laughs> all right. So what is, what is next with all of this? What is next? Like I want to mention this as well. So what did Jesus say about it? Let me actually finish up by what Jesus said about it. He said this, Make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Right? He said, manage your money. Basically, he's saying, manage your money well to take care of your future. He, he said, that is faithful in that which is least, is also faithful in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Right? So can you see how important it is? Can you see that there's a direct link between money and the true riches? Right? There's a direct link. You know, if you're faithful with your money, God will see to it that he, you will get things that money cannot buy. Let me say that again. If you're faithful with money, then you can count on this. God will see to it that he is faithful to you with stuff that money cannot buy. Amen. You remember, you remember the time when King David, he just built himself a great palace. Right, he sits back, he says, man, this is a nice place. But then it dawned on him, he says, something is not right. Now, he didn't say it to the world, he said it within himself. Something is not right, something is all. Because I'm living in this beautiful place, and my God is still living in this tent. Right? So God heard what he said inside of him. He told Nathan, prophet, he said, Nathan, you go to David, and you tell him, whatever you got in your heart, David, do it. For the Lord is with you. Now, how did David know that? David knew that because he spent time with God. And he found out, and he became a man after God's heart. And by being a man after God's heart, he found out what was in God's heart without him, God, having to tell him. He found out in the big heart of God, there's, he wants to build something. So what did... What did he do? David began to build. And then, or began to plan for the building. What else happened? God said, because this was in your heart, because this was in your heart, I'm going to see to it that you will always have someone from your family that will always be someone on the throne of, of Israel, resulting in Jesus. How I many you know this is a pretty good deal? It's a pretty good deal. Amen. All, all David did is just build, build a temple or he just planned for it. He didn't even build it, but he planned for it. And he laid up the finances for it so that Solomon could actually build it. God is very interested in building something. Did you know that? 
He's interested in building the church. The first time that the word church is ever mentioned is in connection with Jesus building it. Remember that? When Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. So Jesus is building something. He's building the church. So, I don't know. I, don't, I just have enough sense to start building and start joining Jesus with whatever he is, he's building. I'm going to pick up my hammer or whatever tool, whatever I'm graced with, and I'm going to start help Jesus build whatever he's, he's building. Amen. Because I know this, that if I take on that attitude, if I help him build whatever he is building, I get great favor. Amen. Did you know that David got great favor? He didn't do everything right. Did you know that he was an adulterer? Not only that, but he was a murderer. It was all said and done. He saw to it, right, that after he committed adultery, that he, you know, he tried to keep it hidden by getting her husband, Bathsheba's husband, to come from, uh, from, the, from the field, from the battlefield. Got him there, got him drunk. He said, you know, why did you go sleep with your wife? You know, why do you go sleep with your wife? Because, uh, um, you know, then people will think that you made her pregnant and not me. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. He's, he was an honorable man. He said, I'm not doing that. While my buddies are still in the battlefield, I'm not going to do that. So he slept outside. So David couldn't do anything. So he wrote a letter and told him, you give this to Joab. When you get there, give it to Joab and everything will be fine. He didn't read it, but he was really bringing his own death sentence to Joab. He gave it to Job. Job read it. He said, well, I don't get this, but he's the boss. So that's what we'll do. They all move forward, including him. Can't think of the gentleman's name now. I should know his name. Pardon me. Uriah. Exactly. Uriah. Thank you. He went forward. And then when he was forward with everybody else, all of the soldiers except him pulled backwards. Because that's what Joab told him. That's what David told Joab. That's what you're going to do. So he was all by himself battling the enemy and he was killed. And Joab wrote a letter back home and said, David, well, whatever you had in mind, it's been accomplished. Well, David said, you know, you can't help it. There's always somebody that's going to get killed. It's not very nice, is it? It's not very nice. Yet he was a man after God's heart. Yet God gave him great favor. With other words, if you get involved with what God is doing... Right? You may not have done everything right, but if you take interest in what God is interested in, He'll get you out. What's He interested in in these last days? Building the church. Building the church. If he's interested in building people. Right? When you build people, they will build the building. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on because we don't have that. It's 12 o'clock. <laughs> okay. So if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So again, there's a direct link by how you manage somebody else's stuff in what, in, and what you're going to get trusted with. Amen. How do you treat your rental home? How do you treat a rental car? Right? All that stuff has to do with you being able to own your own stuff. 
Not, but even further, even more precious yet, if God sees that you can be trusted with money, then he will trust you with the true riches, the souls of men, the gifts of the Spirit, all these things that have eternal value. And by doing so, you will add eternal value to yourself. I'm not even half done, but we're going to stop here and perhaps we can finish it off some other time. I trust you got something out of it. I'm going to give it right back to Pastor Joe.